With the House and Senate on recess, not a lot substantive will happen this week. Later, the Senate will focus on nominations and its own procedures. When the House returns, it will resume the early stages of budget work, where it turns out the defense debate may not be such a big deal after all. Earlier, I spoke with Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. We started with what looks like the beginning of that agreement on defense spending. Well, they at least have a plan for how to move forward. Our Roxana Tehran and Jack Fitzpatrick are reporting that leaders are trying to figure out a path forward, and they might move forward on a spending bill before they even move ahead on the Defense Policy Bill or National Defense Authorization Act, as it's known. So the lawmakers are starting to sit down, especially those with oversight of defense programs, to figure out how to move forward. Now, whether or not they have a top-line number, especially in light of last week's budget proposal that put a lot of that money or proposed putting a lot of that money into the Overseas Contingency Operation or OCO account. Um, that remains to be seen. That idea wasn't passing muster on Capitol Hill last week, so that might not be the approach they take. But um, at least there's a plan to move forward and try to get the defense programs uh, legislation, which is one of the highlights every year for Congress, try to get those things moving. It seems like there's almost two questions. One, the actual total defense spending number. I think Adam Smith is at 733. The administration is at 750. But beyond that, and he said that Democrats in the House at least could get together with Republicans in the House on that 733 number. But then it's the way the budget is constructed, that is, with how much of that total 733 is in OCO. Absolutely. And the thing about the OCO thing that made it attractive to the administration and its budget proposal was they could put a lot of additional money in there without touching the defense spending cap. Because if you're going to move the defense spending cap, the non-defense spending cap is going to have to be adjusted as well. Now, Democrats in both chambers and many Republicans are already thinking about how do they increase both defense and non-defense spending, those caps, to allow more spending. Because if you look at the fiscal 19 number and where the fiscal 2020 caps are, it would be a pretty severe drop if you were to adhere to those caps for the fiscal 2020 spending bills. And no one's really thinking, at least on Capitol Hill, that those are the caps they're going to work with, but they still need to come up with an agreement about how much to raise those and how to offset it if they're going to offset it, which has been demanded in the past. And of course, those spending caps um, don't have to be dealt with immediately, but the longer it takes to, to adjust those or set some sort of top-line spending figure, the harder it is going to be to write the 12 spending bills that House and Senate appropriators want to tackle and get to pretty quickly. Steny Hoyer, the majority leader in the House, has said he's willing to clear a lot of floor time this summer to deal with those 12 bills individually, give the House a chance to weigh in on them. But again, if you don't have a top-line spending figure, it's going to be a little harder to, to really construct those bills and have the kind of debate you want to have on them. So a lot of pressure to get that done, um, but no real deadline other than when the money has to be officially doled out by the uh, beginning of the fiscal year or at a later date if a continuing resolution keeps things going. So basically, the carts are before the horses. And on that issue of having a spending bill or spending agreement on DOD ahead of the NDAA, does that mean that the chairman of the appropriate committees have to really get along quite well? Because what you would be doing is asking the NDAA people, which do put figures in, authority, you know, high-level authority figures, they would have to 
agree to the numbers in advance of their own bill. Absolutely. They at least need a handshake agreement among each other so they know what they're writing. And of course, the, the defense appropriations bill has most of the defense money in it, but not all of it, because there's a, there's the separate military construction bill and then the energy department bill that funds many of the um, National Nuclear Security Administration programs that are also part of the larger defense bucket. So um, Adam Smith, who's the armed services chairman, has more money in his uh, oversight than Pete Visklosky, who's the chairman of the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee. But they'll at least have to have a handshake agreement before they move forward on this. But th- they tend to work pretty closely. What you may see, however, is normally by debating the defense authorization bill first, you get some of the policy debates out of the way, which makes the spending bill more about just the spending levels. But maybe we'll see some sort of uh, change in that balance and maybe more amendments will be discussed on the House floor on the spending bill if the authorization bill hasn't had a chance to come to the floor yet. But, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. Well, I hope they're drinking a lot of good green beer this week. We're speaking with Lauren Duggan, editorial director of Bloomberg Government. And the Senate, equally in recess, will be taking up some things and some nominations, maybe some bread and butter, meat and potato corned beef and cabbage when they get back. Absolutely. So the the Senate has been focusing a lot on nominations, and that will continue when they come back from their recess. Um, The judiciary has been a big part of that, of course, with many circuit court judges getting through. I think our colleagues at Bloomberg Law reported last week that one-fifth of the judiciary at this point is now Trump appointees, at least at that circuit court or appellate level. So that's a pretty dramatic shift in the courts toward um, conservative jurists and Trump nominees in just the two years and change that he's been president. But going forward, the question is going to be the amount of debate time that they spend on lower court nominees to district courts and for executive branch nominees who are below the cabinet agencies and below some other key commissions. What Republicans are proposing is if you get cloture, if you have the majority to cut off debate, they want to go from the 30 hours of current debate to two hours. Now, there was a time a few years ago when there was a resolution adopted to put that kind of procedure in place just for a two-year period, but this would be a standing change to the Senate's procedures. So the question here is, if Republicans pursue this, are they going to try and win over enough Democrats to get 60 votes to cut off debate on that proposal and push it through? Or will they use what's been called the nuclear option to do that with just a simple majority, maybe even get Mike Pence, the vice president in the chair, to try and push that change through? So they appear to have the level of support among Republicans to do it with a simple majority. But um, Roy Blunt, who's the Senate rules chairman and others, are still trying to see if there's Democratic support to try and get that up to maybe 60 votes so they don't need the nuclear option to push that through. So something we'll be watching very closely. They've not announced exactly when they're going to do that, but the end of the month had been discussed as a possible timing for that. And with the House having begun to gel, at least on the budget issues, is the Senate that close yet? at all? Um, It doesn't seem that way. And the House and Senate obviously have to agree on any of this for things to start moving forward. Richard Shelby, who's the Senate Appropriations Chairman, will be working closely with Nita Lowy of New York, the Democrat who leads the House Appropriations Committee. They worked very closely in the period earlier this year to get the seven spending bills that hadn't been finished done and over the finish line and to President Trump. So they have a pretty good working relationship. Um, Traditionally, appropriators have been maybe a little less partisan. They have, have to carry out the will of their parties and what their leaderships want them to do, obviously, but appropriators often find a way forward on this. So they'll be working closely. Um, Senate Republicans may be a little more um, open to some spending 
level increases, then maybe some of their House counterparts. We'll have to see how that plays out as well. But um, this, the appropriators want to get their job done, and they're going to want to get those uh, spending cap levels set so they can really get to work. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.